Hey, this is Brett Miller. I'm here with John Namba, and we're here to talk a little bit today just about some of the things that are impacting you professionally and your business and what you're seeing out there. I know you're in a pretty dry market out in Utah and dry in terms of geographically and, and the weather, but Utah seems to be a pretty strong market when it comes to business. What are you seeing in terms of change in the industry, trends in the industry, things that are affecting you and maybe the way you've always done business and some of the adaptation you and your company and your family have had to go through? Well, first, Brett, thanks for having me on here. And second, thanks for clarifying dry. I didn't know if you were talking about my personality or uh, our climate in Utah. (laughs) So... We have a very small family-run business. My son, Jason, and my wife run the day-to-day operations. So when we talk about, you know, running a business with an economy that's robust in our state right now, the challenge is not so much looking for work. It's more looking for workers. We're, We're a small company. We primarily use employees. The challenge for us is keeping up with our, with our job schedule. We have a limited number of people we feel are qualified. We're always looking for more. You have an industry in the state of Utah right now that is just booming both residentially and commercially. So it's, you don't have to advertise to get a lot of work right now because it's out there. I think the challenge is more of having enough personnel to do the jobs. One thing we hate to do is we hate to do turn down work. And that's, I think, anyone in, in uh in the construction trades really hates to turn down work. But unfortunately, it's gotten to the point where we almost have to pick and choose our jobs. And what that does is on some of the smaller jobs, we end up having to walk away from. And, you know, even having a client that you've had for 20 or 30 years and having, you know, a small project they need covered and just not being able to provide the service, it's really put a strain on, on us because that's what got us to where we are today. You know, those type of clients built our foundation. So we try to take care of them, but it's been a struggle. I know in other parts of the country, there are, you know, installers and contractors, retailers that aren't quite as busy. But out west, it seems we're still in a growth period, both residentially and commercially. So, and we do both. Like you said, you know, we, we do more than just flooring. So some days it's a headache having so many different things going on in our business because we are a little bit more diverse. There's certain days that you wish, geez, you know, what happened to the good old days where I just installed a floor and and went home and did the same thing next day and didn't have to change out my vehicle or trailers with a different set of tools. So it, it creates a different headache, but it also keeps us busy. We've been able to stay busy with our business we went through the recession period. We, we we came out just going crazy with work. So for us, having that diversity in a way has paid off. We ended up doing a pickleball court this year. I had never even heard of pickleball till this year. My son said, "Dad, we're doing a pickleball court." Oh, so wow. it was a you know it's an interesting transition. The our philosophy is though, if we're going to do it, even though we may have not done a project before. We're going to do our homework, do the best we can, and take pride in our workmanship. And so you look at, you look at uh, our small business. We've been able to 
survive and thrive through good and bad. And I think our business philosophy is just, you know, do the very best you can, do best practices. And uh, even though you may have some new challenges, you know what? Bring it on. We're, we're okay with that. Uh, we like those challenges. My son liked those challenges, and uh, we'll support him on that. As I get older, I think I've become more philosophical. You look at where your life has been, where your, your family business is taking you, where the industry is taking you, and you kind of stand back a little bit and view it a little bit differently as you get older. My son is gung-ho. I'm kind of more reserved now because I don't want to work that hard. And, uh, but it's, it's been a great ride for me. It's been a great ride for our family. I hope it continues. I think it's important to recognize that you and Susie brought your son Jason into this industry, introduced him into the flooring trade, and obviously he's had excellent mentors and, and learning the right way to do things, um, the diverse, diversity in what you guys teach and what you guys do from not just wood flooring but tile and vinyl and, and everything else, plus the, the construction side of the business. Jason obviously has excellent teachers, and he, he, he has that influence all around, but outside of family, how do you find these other workers? And if you find them, what's your process of training them and getting them to learn the same way you and Susie taught Jason? Being a business owner, bringing on an employee, more than likely they aren't going to have the same desire, passion, and ambition to make you successful without them being successful. So that what you know, they they want to be successful, and if they feel like, look, I'm only putting money into my employer's pockets and I'm not gaining anything out of it, that's going to be a struggle. And I think you see, I don't blame employees or someone who has a desire to better their lives and maybe they'll gain that experience through us with our business and move on and I what I tell this is what I tell some of my employees that have left I tell them look if you're going to leave me and you want to you know you want to improve I feel like we give our our employees a fair a very fair wage but I tell them look if you're going to leave me here's what I want I, I want you to have that knowledge and experience to where if you go to another company to go to work and you, t- you tell them, I used to work with Namba Services, I want that company to recognize, wow, you know what, Namba Services had a, has a good reputation. We, you know, we'd, we'd want you to work for us. So I try to, we try to instill with our employees education, gaining that knowledge, and it is tough at times because here we are trying to get these projects finished and completed, yet you're having to do the training along the way. And you hear you hear several employees or retailers say, look, if I teach these installers and these contractors how to do it better, they're just going to go work for my competition. Well, you know what? They're, to me, they're not my competition. To me, they're, it's just another another entity that's uh, hopefully they're doing a good service for the industry and representing our industry well to where we'll still grow. We can all grow together. So I don't see them as competition. I hate, you know, good employees you always hate to lose, but 
you can only offer so much per hour. And if they have that desire to go work some somewhere else, they're going to. I have had several in, employees and installers come back to our business because the grass wasn't greener on the other side. So and that, and that gives us a, you know, that's a good feeling to know that uh, you, you took care of them. They went out for a little bit and then now they're back trying to, uh, you know, try to, to better themselves and your business. The education part, you know, where we don't have a lot of time during the day because we're trying to do go into production mode, the nice thing that we have found, it, one thing is with the NWFA, is their uh, online university. I've got two of my employees that uh, I just signed up to uh, go through the online university. They can do that after hours on their own time, and they're still getting that value of education and knowledge, and it's just re- when they're working on our projects hands-on, it's just reinforcing everything they're learning on the technical side of things. So I think the hands-on experience, having that educational opportunity on the online university on their own time, I think that just benefits us. So the fee that we pay for that to, you know, to have our employees and ourselves on that online university, it's such a small drop in the bucket for the value we get. I know you guys deal a little bit with other types of floor coverings other than wood, and there are so many new products that have hit the market over the last, shoot, three, four, five years from LVT and WPC and the waterproof revolution that's kind of happening now, the, the big marketing ploys that the manufacturers are putting out there with these new products. You take a look at the history of these plastic type floors and vinyl type floors that have been in the industry uh, going back to the the 50s when linoleum was a, a big floor covering our industry has always dealt with you know wood real wood a permeable natural product when you take a look at the synthetic type products that are out there they they are appealing to a large share of the market when linoleum first came out it was a, a luxury item for a little while, and then it made a turn somewhere and, and started becoming the more affordable floor covering. The wood flooring industry, I think, has seen the same thing in terms of from solid to engineered to entry-level engineered. And, and you take a look at some of the products that are focused on selling to the end user at big box stores or retail stores that are sold more as do-it-yourself type products. We're seeing a lot of that side of our market be washed away from the plastic floor coverings that really are replacing a portion of the wood flooring industry that I don't know that too many in our industry are that sad to see go away. But what are you seeing in terms of some of the impacts of these plastic floors that are coming in, the wood look floors? And you could, there's so many different terms for these types of floors. What are some of the impacts you see? When you look at wood flooring... And you see so actual wood flooring. You see so many products mimicking wood, whether it's tile, whether it's the resilient sheet vinyl floors that came out with a wood pattern, and now you're seeing the LVPs and the LVTs, the rigid cores, the WPCs, the SPCs, so many different products coming out right now. And, you know, their marketing is very little maintenance, and they're waterproof. I don't know if you remember when sheet vinyl, when they came, started coming out with these floors that were no wax. No wax floors. Everybody thought, well, there's no maintenance on these floors. I'll just be, it's going to be great. I can just 
have these floors installed and they're going to self-clean. Well, we're not seeing that. And I think the, the reason, you know, why, do the, why does the tile industry, why does the, the resilient industry try to keep mimicking wood? Because wood is still one of the most favored type of products from the consumer viewpoint. But the problem is, I think what part of our problem is we as an industry are not educating our end users on proper care of these hardwood floors. With the, with the introduction of, of engineered floors, factory finished floors, with these ceramic finishes, we're, we're almost describing wood as something that's indestructible. And I think we over-marketed ourselves on that. With the cleaning aspect, with the maintenance aspect, with the wearability, wood is still a natural product. No matter what finish you put on it, it's still wood. It's going to react to moisture. And you still need to maintain it. And I think what happened was we, we not so much the original sand and finish contractors that, that were out there, they, under, they understood and understand wood floors. I think this next generation of retailers, sales associates that are coming into the market are not getting educated enough as far as what the limitations of wood are, the proper maintenance of wood, and how to properly sell it. When you ask a retailer or sales associate, you know, what's more stable, a solid wood floor or an engineered wood floor? They're going to say, well, it's engineered. It's more, it's more stable. You ask the question, why is it more stable? They can't answer that. Yet you look at the requirements for maintenance, for site conditions, an engineered wood floor and a solid three-quarter inch floor, the site conditions, the maintenance are both the same. So how is it more stable? And that's when they don't know how to answer that question. So if they don't know how to answer that question, how are they going to relay that information to the end user? And another thing with the hardwood side of the industry, it's labor intensive. It takes a craftsman or craftsperson to be able to sand and finish a job and make it look beautiful. We lost a couple of generations of kids coming up because all during school, high school, for the career, all the counselors were telling them, you need to get into IT. You need to get into these other, other careers. And they moved away from the building and construction side of things with their education. I think they realize now that was a mistake. So we skipped a couple of generations of kids growing up that could have been in our trade. So that's why you see these contractors out there right now, they're 40, 50, 60 years old. And then the next generation, we skipped that 30, 25 to 30 to 40 years old. And now we're trying to gain some momentum back and gain some of these kids. And so you're, we see that big gap of, of you know, contractors with the ages and with their experience. So I think we'll be able to get back to that point at one time because you're seeing more and more. They're recognizing that the construction trades are an important part of our economy and the fact that it's a good trade. With the introduction of these click-type floors, these LVPs that you're seeing in the marketplace right now, why are they selling? I think it's because they're, they are easier to install and it's easy for a sales associate to sell. It's a rigid core. It's waterproof. It's, it sounds like the ideal type of flooring. And so consumers are getting drawn to that. But what we're finding out as inspectors, as installers, these floors still have issues. They still have issues. And once again, it's a plastic floor. 
you're still, you know, dealing with plastic. So next, the next challenge is going to be, how are we going to recycle these products? Can you recycle it? With wood, can I, can I refinish these products? You can't. With a solid hardwood floor, could I resand that floor and change, change my decor, change the color? You bet I can. How many times? Well, a number of times if you do the proper sanding techniques and that. So wood is going to, I, wood I think will always be something that's valued, but the problem is going to be, are we going to go into the factory finished floors? Are we, or are we as an industry going to be able to keep going with these sand and finish floors, or is it going to become a lost art to where we lose those professional contractors and those tradespeople to, uh, you know, to other, other trades? And are they just going to become installers of factory finished floors? I think our industry appreciates and recognizes the craftspeople that you talk about, the, the ones that understand and appreciate the product we work with, from the installation to the finishing process, everything through, as well as just the raw good material that we work with. You know, you mentioned a lot of these other products are plastic. It's a plastic fake floor. It's synthetic. It's not naturally grown, and it's not it's not um, a derivative of the earth. It's it's man-made. I guess our industry has always felt like the sustainability, the green story, and everything that goes along with the product we use, the natural characteristics of the product that we use is the most appealing thing to people. Aesthetically, you're right. And I agree with you. That's what people want. They want that look. But today we're seeing people that are concerned, rightfully so, people that are concerned about using plastic water bottles and plastic straws and all of the trash that's in the ocean and it doesn't degrade. And it's basically filling our landfills and it's all plastic. At what point do you think plastic flooring is going to fall into that same category? And you're right. You know, there's been no, nothing that I've heard of anyways about the recyclability or the sustainability or the green story behind any of these products. I guess you could almost look as far as think about the linoleum that we pull out from a floor and replace it with wood. The linoleum that's 50 or 60 years old going to the landfill and looks the same in the landfill minus a couple stains as it did the day it was installed, where wood is not only, if it goes to the landfill, degrading and turning back into the earth as it should, but um, a lot of times being recycled and reclaimed and given a whole new life. So that whole green sustainability story of wood, I would sure think the end user, the consumer, the person that's buying, that would be an important thing for them to consider when purchasing a floor covering, especially because it's a, a long-term investment, whereas a lot of the the plastic floors are, are more short-term. They're not they're not a lifetime floor. Where do you think we need to be as an industry? What's the story we should be telling if sustainability isn't the one? You know, you you look at our society now. It's it's <laughs> we're a disposable society. When something breaks, we throw it away, buy new. Why? It's cheaper to buy new than go get it fixed. So. That mentality is—it's there. We're, you know, 
years and years ago when we broke something, we had the means to fix it and it was, you know, it was affordable to fix it and it would last years longer. Nowadays, you're not seeing that. So we've become a disposable society. And one, th- one thing about, you know, one thing we should, probably should clarify is linoleum. Linoleum is actually linseed oil and, and pine flour. So it's more that, you know, the natural type product with a burlap backing. So we, you know, when we say linoleum, we're, I think you're referring more to sheet vinyl, resilient sheet vinyl. And uh, so let's clarify that on that. So it, it follows more of a natural product. But what happened to the wood, you know, wood market, and, you know, we talk about, yeah, it is a sustainable product. We have good forest management now, and uh, it's getting better all the time because we understand how, you know, how these forests, how, we know how to raise, you know, crops in these forests now. And w- with vinyl-type products coming back into the market strong you know obviously these manufacturers love it because that's you know the the sheet vinyl industry lost a lot of a lot of marketplace when uh you know these laminates came into play and and uh, the factory finished hardwoods so they're making a resurgence but that's one thing you know as a society as as an industry are we looking at the sustainability of these products well I think right now we're looking at the marketability of these products rather than the sustainability That's right. because right now it's an income generating category for the industry. So coming out of that recession and all of a sudden having the ability to make money and uh, be able to sell a product that's it's easy sell. I think we have to kind of look back a little bit into our, you know, into ourselves. Here comes that philosophical part. We have to look back and, you know, think, uh, you know, are we just doing this for the money? What's what's the next couple of generations going to look like with all this plastic floor? You know, you, you may have some arguments, you know, well, John, that's a SPC, which is a stone polymer that is coming from the earth or your WPC, which is your wood polymer. It is, you know, part of the it, part of it is wood. Well, it's still got... It's still a, you know, on the that top wear layer is still basically a plastic, and petroleum-based products. So where's the future, man? Who knows? It's you just don't with the sustainability of wood. I don't think it'll, like I said, I don't think it'll ever go away, and maybe it has to cycle through. Maybe we have to go through that cycle of life to find out that you know what, we need to go back to wood. It's the real thing. And go back to our roots again. That's right. That's perfect. I think I'm going to go get a seed and plant a tree. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) I agree with you. Nice. Well, John, thank you so much. I think this discussion has been excellent. I think everything that you bring to our industry is is so positive. And I truly appreciate that in you. And I appreciate the fact that you're you're one of our instructors and, and so engaged with our industry. So thank you. Thanks for your time. And We'll look forward to talking to you again next time. All right. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Brett.